This is the Frogcast. Welcome to the Frogcast. We are so excited. We actually get to talk about football today. It's not preseason. It's not recruiting. It's not projections. It's not conference realignment. It's actual games, if we can call Jackson State a game. But it was a game at Eamon Carter Stadium this last Saturday night. So we have a lot to talk about this week and so much more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, fellas, we are all here tonight. We have got myself and Daniel and Trey Fallon and Jeremiah Glenn and Jeremy Clark, all five of you guys at the same time. Let's say hello and go Frogs. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Perfect. Hello, boys. Hello, men. Frogs win 63 to nothing on a beautiful Saturday night in Fort Worth at Amon G. Carter Stadium. We've got a lot that we are going to break down. We've got a lot of content we've got to get through. So let's just start on it right out of the gate. Daniel, we've talked all off-season, online, offline, on the show, off the show, that the, 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 the only thing that really mattered this season was Kenny Hill, how he did, if he was consistent, if he made things work. The Frogs won 63 to nothing. Tell me right out of the gate, what did you think of Kenny Hill's game, and how do you compare and contrast and just in one game of what we saw from this year and last year? I'd say significant improvement. Uh, it's not perfect. Um, I still saw... Uh, flashes of bad Kenny Hill, but it was about as inversely proportionate as it was to last year, you know, where we saw mostly, or so it seems, uh, bad Kenny Hill, and we'd see flashes of his real talent. Uh, this time it seemed like, um, you know, he ran well, he did he could, good passes, um, missed a few, so it was just little flashes of the bad Kenny Hill. And um, But overall, I would say definitely he's improved, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing how he, you know, does against uh, Arkansas and other, uh, you know, tougher competition. You know, I predicted that he would sadly have one interception. I thought it would be in the red zone at the worst possible time, but it was the start of the second half. But he went the whole half without an interception. Patterson did say at his presser that that interception was not necessarily his fault. And I know we had some younger receivers in there that are kind of learning the ropes as we get into this season. So I don't know how you can complain about what Kenny Hill did right or did wrong, but I thought he had a strong game. And I thought his composure on the field was, was was noticeably better than what we had seen before. Let's flip to the other side of the ball. Trey, it's good to have you on here tonight. Uh, we have complained and convinced about the defense for about the last two years. What did you see on the defensive side of the ball in this shutout that made you positive about this season moving forward? Yeah, so good to be back. Thanks for having me back. Um, you know, I like to preface everything about this game with consider the competition. But, I mean, like you said, you get a shutout one that's always a plus no matter who you're playing. That's always difficult to do. Um, you only allow 65 total yards, which um, is the lowest since like the uh, was Northern Illinois in the bowl game a few uh, years ago. So, you know, that was another one. And most of those yards came, you know, on the first drive early on. Um, you f- get five sacks. You force two turnovers. And I think, you know, when you look at all of that, you have to be pretty, you know, happy with, like I said, considering the opponent, how they played, what they did. Um, Bozen led with seven tackles. Traven Howard had uh, six tackles. Um, true freshman Corey Bethley with two and a half sacks in his collegiate debut, which is pretty cool to see. Um, I think that was the theme of the night, offense and defense, with some of the younger guys that uh, – should make the fan base really excited but overall you have to be pretty pleased with what the defense did um you know you when you compare it especially to last year's opener against South Dakota State who I know is much better than um Jackson State but you know the defense gives up 41 in that game and you're you know leaving thinking oh how's this you know season gonna go whereas this game you know defense did look fired up they looked you know like they flew around the field like a like a good Gary Batterson defense. So, you know, they're going to be tested in the next few weeks coming up, but I think that's a, a really good start. 
Trey, I got to ask you, what did you think in the in the only moment of anxiety I had that whole game was the opening drive that Jackson State have. What did you think in those first two minutes as you were watching them drive down the field? <laughs> you know, I was a little concerned. Um, you know, I wasn't like freaking out or anything because it is, you know, first game. There's going to be nerves. I think you saw in some of the games on Thursday and Friday nights where teams kind of hung in, you know, with teams that they really had no business doing. So it's kind of always that first week getting things together. But, yeah, I mean, it is a little nerve-wracking because you're thinking, well, shoot, you know, here we go again. Is this another, you know, bad situation like they got into last year? And obviously they got out of it, got settled in, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't really think I have too many complaints about the defense. Yeah, that was the first time I'd seen the defense kind of, you know, ex- you know, Expose, you know, push and enforce their will in a long time. And as you said, I totally agree. This was a glorified scrimmage. I don't know that. I don't know. Maybe Desoto could have beat them last year, Jackson State. But that that was a team that's not all. You know, not even a top of the line in terms of FCS. But we did what we were supposed to do, and we we did that on the defensive side of the ball, and that makes me happy. I, I agree with you. I felt really good about seeing the defense uh, fly all around the field and look like a Gary Patterson defense. You can't overestimate. You can't overstate the impact that the freshmen had in this game. I know we were all excited about this 2017 recruiting class. We knew there would be some people that would make an impact on, on both sides of the ball. A lot of them already been mentioned, from Corey Bethley and things like that. Jeremiah, you followed this recruiting class, especially up to signing day. Describe the freshman impact, and did it exceed your expectations? And maybe even what are some things that we, may, you know, maybe your casual fan didn't see that you're excited about from the young guys. I'm. I guess you'd have to say they exceeded expectations. I mean, I think we all knew what uh, what we would be looking at as far as the talent level. You know, we heard all off season how you know they were working hard. It was the most impressive you know freshman class that a lot of these guys had seen. I mean, Coach Patterson was giving these guys you know glowing reviews on on their off season work, and you know we expected. I think we expected to see a lot, but I think even I was surprised um, how quickly they had an impact. I mean that. Kennedy Snell touchdown was just a thing of beauty, you know, and it reached number two on uh, you know, Sports Center's top ten, and I think it's gotten a couple million views online already. So um, yeah, that was an exciting play. J- I mean, I don't think Jalen Rager's play gets as much love as Kennedy Snell's, but that little quick hitter that he took and then made the spin move and then took off down the sideline, and that that safety didn't lay the hit on him. He put the hit on the safety, so he. These guys just weren't playing. They weren't playing like freshmen. These guys played like like seasoned veterans. You know, like you already mentioned Corey Bethley. Um, he looked really good. Man, one of the guys that's not getting a lot of love that I I thought he had a great game in his limited role was Garrett Wallow. Um, yeah. if you watch him flying down the field on uh, special teams. I mean, he was a madman. He was flying through one and two blockers and just throwing them aside and diving on the piles. And I can't wait to see that guy get more playing time. But, you know, I was really impressed overall with, with the freshmen. Um, you got to throw Sean Robinson in there too. I mean, good grief. They really did put on a show. Uh, Sean Robinson showed you his wheels. He showed you his arm. And again, yes, it's Jackson state, but you got to be happy with, they did what they were supposed to do against that level of opponent. And, uh, the, the freshmen are, are going to be really exciting to watch the rest of this season. Yeah, I love seeing uh, Sean Robinson be able to get that touch. He threw two touchdown passes. I thought he was going to take that other one to the house, that zone read that he pulled it out and went around the left side. I was really kind of hoping he would get it in there and punch it into the end zone himself. But feels good to see that all, all you know, all of those young people that made it, all those young players that made a contribution. And I guess that would just kind of tie together a couple of things of this podcast is, you know, we've done a lot of recruiting focus in the off season. I know that recruiting is, it's an acquired taste, but you know, when you follow these young men as they come along, you know, in their recruitment process, commit to TCU, you hear how they're doing. And then to see it kind of happen, you realize that this is a, this isn't, you know, a vital part of obviously what it means to build a successful football program. And it is a heck of a lot of fun to see it be the number two highlight on Sports Center to see a young man like that. Underrated play on that, on that Kennedy Snell uh, touchdown. Kenny Hill throwing the block yeah. down at the six. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that I mean, I'm great. sure Sonny Cumbie loved that and hated that. He led with his right shoulder and put it right into the yes. sternum. <laughs> oh, may, maybe a little, maybe a little talk to you after the play on that. 
Well, Trey had referenced the South South Dakota State game last year that I think um, was kind of a precursor to the whole season, to be totally honest. But Jeremy, you you know you were there in terms of covering the team last year. Maybe after this after the game, when you looked at the San Diego, looked at the South Dakota State game, and then you look at how the the team was responding, and maybe how Patterson was communicating after this game. Compare and contrast the feeling after the first game of the year from last year to this last Saturday night. Well, I think I speak for everyone when you can look at last year and, and determine that it was going to be a long season for the defense. Anytime you give up 41 points to any team, that's a bad thing. But when you give up 41 points to an FCS team, although South Dakota State was really good and uh, the receiver, I can't remember his name, he's still playing there and, and probably the best receiver at the FCS level. He just torched them all night. But uh, it, it's somewhere in between. Uh, what they really are and uh, right now is, you know, they're a good team. TCU's good offensively, defensively. They did what they were supposed to do against Jackson State. Um, it's funny, though, you know, the talent level is so overmatched. It seemed like watching live Tecmo Bowl because every time Jackson State tried to run the football or uh, do any kind of play action, they had TCU guys all over them. It was, it was pretty good defensive effort, but it, it's somewhere in between. Are, are they that good? I don't think they're that good, but they're not. They're they're definitely improved from a year ago. The feelings after from a you know someone that covered both games for me it was the team looks a whole heck of a lot better. But again, everyone's mentioned it so far. You got to look at the competition level. My wife watched the game on TV and she thought it was basically a high school team. I mean, she felt sorry for Jackson State. That's how. My wife doesn't watch a lot of football, but when she says something like that, you you know it was a bad football team that TCU is playing. But I'm not just going to totally um, demoralize their effort. They did do everything they were supposed to do, and then some. I thought Kenny had a great game. Uh, thought obviously defense had a great game. Receivers stepped up. Receivers, by the way, I don't recall. I don't know if you guys do them dropping a pass. Yeah, there wasn't um, a single drop. Yeah, Kenny. Uh, you know, Kenny. Kenny made some good decisions. I wish he would have made a better throw on that played a Kennedy Snell when he was dragging across the middle for a post. He, he kind of threw it short and obviously threw the interception in the second half. But overall, a lot better feeling headed into the Arkansas game this year than what it was last year. I think everyone it, – it's one of those deals where if you, if you win by only so much, you feel like it's a loss. And last year, that's kind of how that South Dakota State game felt, even though TCU – I think ended up winning, what, 59-41, something. I don't remember the score off the top of my head, but they ended up winning by a couple scores. It still felt like a loss for TCU. This year, oh, like yeah. I said, did, did did everything they were supposed to do, and, and it feels like, hey, you know what, this team, you know, everything that we've been hearing all off season in the spring and through fall camp, Coach Patterson might actually be, you know, telling us what's going on this time. It's It might be uh, not just smoke and mirrors, that he knows something that others don't right now but we'll see we'll see where this team is it's going to be a good barometer game on arkansas at arkansas this week i was surprised by the energy they brought you know on all sides of the ball considering the competition all the way into the the, to the end of the game they were flying around and hooping and hollering and turpin nearly hurt himself when he scored yeah he did uh, we were cracking up the press box at that yeah, he tried, and it's he tried just to like jump up and get someone to catch him, and he went flying about five yards. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was it was fun because uh, you you know sometimes with these games they're just not that interested, and um, they were having fun. I was really glad to see that kind of energy. I think Daniel, the energy was, was the big the the energy came from just seeing the young players do good, and, and I think that gets the older players hopped hopped up for them to see the guys they've been training all all fall camp and uh, kind of mentoring a little bit when they see guys like Jalen Rager, Kennedy Snell, Sean Robinson all making those plays. It it gets everyone hopped up because not only are you feeling good about the young guys, but you're feeling good about the future as well. Right. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what I was going to say. I mean, the, the veteran guys, they had something to prove. They stood on last year all off season. So um, obviously they wanted to come in and make a statement. But then once the young guys got in and started making plays, yeah, you could see it. I mean, there's a really cool picture that was going on around on Twitter, hashtag squad goals. And it was all the all the vets on the side, you know, cheering on the young guys making a play. And it was just a really cool picture. You do get a sense that this team is a lot closer than last year. And they all say it to a man. And I think that was on display on Saturday night. You know, Trey, there was one thing I, we didn't get to see that I wish we could have, and that was a field goal. <laughs> do you have any? Uh, do you, got, you got any ideas of, or did you have any confidence seeing the extra points from Jonathan Song that makes you think he can hit a thirty-five yarder at Arkansas? 
I mean, you never, I, you know, I have no idea, um, you know, either way. I don't, I don't have confidence. I don't have, you know, um, doubts, but it would have been nice f- for him to at least get one or two under his belts at home before going into this Arkansas game into, you know, a somewhat hostile, crazy environment, um, you know, especially I'm hoping that, you know, we don't need a, you know, last minute into the fourth game winner or something. And it's going to end up being his first career kick or something like that. I think that would be a, a pretty crazy situation to put him in. But um, we'll just have to see, man. I mean, yeah, I would have liked to seen him kick one or two. Um, but like I said, I'm not stressing. I'm not super worried about it, but I'm also, you know not overly confident so we're just gonna have to see yeah we're gonna have gary danielson on cbs say and now trotting out for his first ever field goal attempt into getting into the win for a 47 yarder to win the game <laughs> jonathan song oh yeah kicking issues were an issue or kicking issues were a headache last year and i, I hope we get over that hump it was nice to see a pat that just went right through the middle of the uprights i, I will go ahead and acknowledge that i had my my fear the first kick and i was like oh that's what that feels like when you don't have to fret about that anymore they, they had a couple they had a couple that looked bad. Uh, no, they had a couple that looked good, if I remember right. Hey, no, I hey. thought they all looked good. Hey, listen, part, they listen. looked pretty good. Quit, quit giving praise to the special teams. Cole Bunts kicked one out of bounds, and Gary Patterson, <laughs> Gary Patterson was just staring at him the whole time he was coming you off. You could the tell field. he was scared to run to the sideline oh, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> Jeremiah and I looked at each other in the press box. And said, "Well, he might not be kickoff guy next week." No, I thought that, most of the kickoffs was, were you know perfectly placed about yeah, within right the one the, yard line. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, he he actually did over he, overall he did pretty good. I think he had four touchbacks and um, I mean he he did what he needed to do. Just that one mistake, you know, there's such a microscope on kicking right now that probably the guy that's watching it the most is Gary Patterson, and he he probably doesn't remember Cole's four touchbacks that he had. He probably only remembers the one kickoff out of bounds that he had. I'm going to ask him about it tomorrow on Tuesday to see what he thought about the kickoffs and just see what he has to say. Oh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Well, hopefully next week we're going to have a lot to talk about from the Arkansas game, but I think we kind of exhausted uh, the highs and the, and the handful of lows from, from Jackson State. The good news is college football gives us so much content. I, I had a friend of mine today tell me, you know, the NFL is still better than college football, to which I just I wanted to punch him. I can't believe anybody actually thinks that. We had so much that happened across the country as, as well just in, in the state of Texas, and we want to take a minute to, to kick our friends while they're down. And we'll just start with the number one Baylor fan and that I know, but Daniel, what, what was your thoughts uh, when you got to realize that Liberty, maybe the, the school I can't stand the most besides Baylor, that Liberty beat Baylor at Baylor to usher in the Matt Rule era? You know, I you know always hear that the best day of your life is when you get married or when you have your first kid. No. No, for me it was Saturday. Saturday night was the best night of my life when Liberty beat Baylor and their little savior Matt Rule and all that. It was oh, and and they kept bringing it in uh, during the game. I didn't even check my phone because I, I was I was wanting to participate uh, when they would announce to the crowd and show the score of the game and everyone would start cheering and it was just oh, it was glorious. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I have it on right now. I'm watching the end of it. I haven't gotten a chance to, <laughs> I've been busy. Uh, haven't gotten a chance, but it was, oh, it's, I, I just, it makes me think maybe they could lose every game. That would be, oh, I'm just, I don't know. I was just, I've never had such a fun day, including all the other losses, but that one was the best one for me. Of all the Baylor losses, that was the best one. Yeah. Because, you know, they and, have... Go ahead. of all the other losses across the state. Oh, yeah. That was great. And they paid to lose that game, which is even even better. <laughs> For God, I didn't even think about that. They paid them like 500000 I think, to come up there and beat them in Waco, which even sweeter. It's It was 2005 all over again. 
That would go a long way towards an Omni Hotel opening up. <laughs> that would. Maybe if if uh, if if Baylor stays with it, Waco could get a Chipotle, a Smoothie King, and um, you know some other maybe a chick another Chick Fil A on the north side of town. Aren't they getting a PF Chang's? I think so. I think so. I think that's all right. They're moving on up. They really are. Well, moving on in this week in Scheidenfreit, let's go ahead and look at uh, our friends in the in the city of Austin, the state capital. <laughs> Trey, it was actually a year ago that we first uh, announced that, that Texas was back. You know, they're back again. Is is Texas back, or are they just back to where they were under Charlie Strong? Yeah, I t- tweeted it out during the game. I mean, because I was real interested in this game. Obviously, would be nice for the conference if Texas would get their act together and, you know, f- debut of Tom Herman and – from the get-go, it looked exactly like a Charlie Strong team. It looked like the exact same thing that they've been rolling out for the last few years. And I was really expecting, you know, I'm not saying Herman needs to turn it around and go win a national championship this year by any means, but I just thought maybe you would see uh, more discipline, disciplined play, maybe a little bit more energy. I don't know. They just seem to have the same kind of mistakes you're making special teams mistakes you know you're you're not you know doing the small things to win you're not running the ball you you know you're turning the ball over and then they come out and lose 51-41 to a Maryland team who you know we'll see what they turn into but most people think they're kind of you know middle of the pack so it's not a not a strong start for Tom Herman in Austin but that was that started the day off great once that happened because my my uh father-in-law went to that game so that was making me laugh and then baylor and then the aggies man it's a hard saturday to top but yeah texas just looks like the same old texas to me man yeah i don't know i don't know what to say but there's something broken in their entire system and yeah i didn't think charlie you know chip brown said uh said uh Tom Herman was going. Texas was going to go eleven and one this year and win the Big Twelve and go to the playoff. I think we all knew that it was dumb, but I figured they would beat Maryland by you know ten points and blow out San Jose State the next week. And I still think they could have been really competitive against USC, who I think is overrated. But I didn't see anything from that team that says that they are any different than they have been since the day since the moment Colt McCoy got hurt. They are, they are a 500, literally a 500 team since the moment Colt McCoy got hurt. Now they could turn it all around and go win nine games, but they didn't do show me anything yesterday or yesterday that says that they're going to do anything. Or they didn't show me anything Saturday that said they're going to do anything significant this season. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they'll get to nine wins, maybe seven or eight. Um, but it's just, I'm with you. There's there's something wrong down there where they just shouldn't be this bad for this long and like I said I'm not saying they should come out and have looked like Alabama but at the same time you would think with a new coach who was you know all off season talking about accountability and checking players pee and trying to just like (laughs) pretend like everything was going to get turned around and it looked the exact same well I bet they had a big pee check Saturday afternoon. I bet they did. I bet they did. Well, the the trifecta of the Holy Trinity in terms of teams we would love to see lose in one day. Yesterday evening, the Aggies blew the second biggest lead in the history of college football, where they uh, they let UCLA come right back in and basically just they rolled over and let UCLA, UCLA come back and steal that game in the Rose Bowl. Jeremiah, I, I know we're not conference mates with the with the Aggies, but is there anything sweeter than watching Aggie Twitter first half versus Aggie Twitter second half? Aggie Twitter's gold anyway, and so that was just that just topped it off, you know. And then you go to any number of boards and read read what the meltdown. Uh, I mean, if you just want to just sit there and laugh for an hour straight, there's that's some fun. That's it's comedy gold right there. Um, man, up forty-four to ten with two minutes and something left in the third quarter, and they lose the game. And you know, I I went back and watched that whole second half, and I just you know, I think what made it kind of even funnier was you know the, the way a And M was acting on the sidelines. You know, they pulled out some of their starters. You've got Travion Williams 
dancing with the like a band scepter over there on the sideline and there's that actually was like so a bad. bunch of fools you know it just shows how little control that someone has over his team could you imagine somebody doing that on gary patterson's sideline i mean that's no. just and that's you just, know where that stick would be exactly and then, you know i think that just shows the difference between the two programs but that was unreal i mean i mean kevin someone's been stealing money for a, from a&m for a long time so this was just on an epic scale. I mean, you got you got a region over here tweeting out that he's voting that it's time for someone to go. I mean, I think these guys should have a 24-hour rule before they get on social media. But, man. I know. It, the guy woke up and posted it on Facebook. And yeah. that's what I love is he, he's, he's obviously – he's a multi-million dollar trial lawyer, and he had about 18 misspellings. Now, I'm no expert on spelling, but if I'm going to – if I'm a board of regents and I'm going to trash my the highest paid employee in our university, I might at least run spell check. Yeah, yeah. I You know, I, honestly, I was surprised they allowed someone on the plane. I, I thought he was going to be busting it back on the Greyhound, you know. But uh, I, I don't see how he makes it through this year. I mean, that's – You've got your losses. You've got your 59 to nothing or whatever it was that loss they had to Oklahoma. Uh, you've got some bad losses on your resume, but, man, that, that one right there has to top them all off, in my opinion. And, and yeah, you, you talk about a TCU fan's dream. I mean, uh, Baylor, <laughs> Texas, and A&M just folding up like a cheap tent right there over the weekend. That was pretty incredible to watch. And it's also worth noting, I mean, I hate it for the kid, but Starkle is out for the season. So their starting quarterback is gone. Broken ankle. Uh, Kellen Mond did not look like he could do anything in that game. They put eight in the box and dared him to throw, and he couldn't do squat. Can anybody tell me where Jake Hubenek was? To me, that's the best quarterback on their roster. And I don't know if it's a disciplinary thing or what, but the guy didn't get off the sideline, so – that right there alone had, should, should show that Kevin Sumlin doesn't need to be the coach. I mean, you you got a guy that they're stacking the box, and Kellamon can't throw the pass, and that's what Jake Jake is. And that, it just goes to show it's probably more promises made by Sumlin and his staff about promising highly ranked recruits playing time to come in there and, and like they did with other quarterbacks. And I, I'm on the line of thinking that they probably said something to Kellamon about that playing time, but. The fact that Jake Kubinek didn't get to play at all, man, that's that's just mind-boggling. You know, it sounds like the promise was we guarantee you an opportunity to go and embarrass yourself on national television. Right. Well, there, there were so many questionable calls in that game. I mean, you're up 44-10, and you're running not a hurry-up offense, but they're snapping the ball with 20 seconds on, on the play clock, 17 seconds. They're they're throwing passes still. I understand you got a young quarterback and you want to get him some reps, but that they just they butchered that game from – I mean, in every aspect, that it was just that was brutal to watch. I liked it personally. I kind of liked it. I thought it was good. Here's a here's a stat I wanted to, I wanted to share with you. With clock rolling, A and M snapped eight of ten plays with ten seconds left on the play clock in the fourth quarter. That's incredible. That I know. So that's eight times. I don't know, eight, eight times, eight, 64. They got the ball back with two minutes left, 240 back. They could have just, ugh. That, that's how you lose games. And you get fi- paid $5 million a year to do that down in College Station. Man, I was caught up, like, when the score, the spread differential got so big, I switched over because I was kind of more interested in the West Virginia, Virginia Tech game. And so I was, like, watching that game, and then I fell asleep, and then – Got up the next morning and saw the score, and it was like, like kind of like I was shocked. I was like, "Am I dreaming here? Like what? Like the Aggies really did that? It was, it was pretty awesome. I think that I don't. It's it's hard to say out of all three of those, which one's the best because they all just have great moments to them. Yeah, the the beauty of of when our colleagues and our rivals fail is that they're all glorious in their own way. You know, Baylor got beat by an FCS team that hired their criminal AD. Texas spent all season pumping their chest and got beat by a middler Big Ten team. And then Aggie just did what they're good at, which is strutting around. And it just October showed up in the second half. All they did was just fast forward their entire season to the fourth quarter. So, yeah, that's that's just a hard thing to pick. You You don't know which one is your favorite. So... Let me take a look here. Jerem, uh, 
No, uh, one of the things I wanted to add here, just switching gears before we get to uh, Jeremy, uh, I, I was the only one that wasn't at the game, I think. I was I was watching it at home on the couch, and I flipped over to the Florida State-Bama game a couple times. Can I just tell you what a snooze fest that thing is? They said it was one of the most watched college football games that they have, especially for opening weekend. There was not one thing that was exciting about that game. And it, it, I mean, I, I flipped over for to see the hype, to see Bama, to see Florida State. That was boring football. There was nothing about that. I know our conference gets dogged. I'd rather watch Tech and Oklahoma State any week over a Bama-Florida State game because all they're going to do is punt and get three yards on their run. So you guys didn't miss anything not being able to watch that game uh, live like I did. Oh. I recorded it, and when I got home, I saw the score, and I just deleted it because I knew there was nothing exciting going on. Yeah. Well, pretty much every one of the talking heads are saying Alabama's undoubtedly the number one team right now. Well, that's a that's that's probably true in 2017, 16, 15, 14. Yeah, that's that's just what it is. They're a machine that just keeps reloading and destroying people, and they, they destroyed a good Florida State team. Jeremy, any knee-jerk reaction about how good TCU stacks up after you know what we've talked about with our conference mates and guys in the conference? Uh, Trey referenced the West Virginia game, who you know played well but got beat by Virginia Tech. Yeah. Any anything you can take away about where TCU might stack up from what we saw in Week One? Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be. I think they're pretty much where people predicted them to be, right around the third or fourth spot right now. Um, obviously, think they're better than Texas. Obviously think they're better than uh, Baylor. West Virginia was one of those teams that I was kind of on the fence with um, as far as where, where the pecking order would be with them. But uh, they lost to a very good Virginia Tech team. Virginia Tech's Joshua, Joshua Jackson, man, he's a good quarterback, and I think he's going to do some big things for the Hokies this year. Um, the team that really impressed me probably the most this week uh, with their with their game and the way they won was Oklahoma State. I know everyone's been talking about Oklahoma State this year, and for them to beat Tulsa the way they did, I mean, it was what fifty-four to twenty-nine or, or something crazy. It was a very lopsided score, and Tulsa's a good team. Tulsa's a team that won nine or ten ball games last year, and there were some people that were even up in Oklahoma saying Tulsa could get give Oklahoma State a run for their money in this game, and Oklahoma State just went out there and destroyed them. So right now, after the first week. I'm definitely going to say Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are two teams that, you know, I I, I thought that Kansas State impressed me too. Kansas State, but they they played Central Arkansas, so I don't really know where they are. Kansas was impressive, but they beat Southeastern Missouri State. It, it was it was good to see um, them have a pulse on offense. You know, you could tell that Doug Meacham has revitalized the program a little bit on offense. And if you didn't see any of the highlights, there's actually fans in the stands for the game at Kansas that that uh that game against uh FCS team it was kind of surprising but uh, I think after week one Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are the bell cows of the conference but TCU's third or fourth best and uh we'll see how they're going to be after this week at Arkansas it's it that's going to be the true barometer game I want to see how they go up there and perform if they can go up there and win on the road against the SEC team then yeah I think TCU definitely is going to open the eyes of several people across the country yeah, I would piggyback on that and, and agree about Tulsa. That's a pretty good team. If Phil Montgomery wasn't tainted with the the Baylor stank, he probably would have gotten a bigger job after this last year. He did. A, he's done a good job at at Tulsa, and I think he'll probably eventually move up to a, a bigger program. And he's he's done a good job. They beat a good team. The, the 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 Pokes did. So, well, all eyes are on Fayetteville right now. Looking forward to our big game this Saturday. It's the CBS kickoff game at two thirty. The the SEC uh, gets to host the Big Twelve. We got a lot that we get, we can break down on this, but I guess the way I just want to attack it is everybody kind of give me one or two keys to this game. Um, obviously, Kenny Hill not throwing interceptions, being the unspoken. What are a couple of keys to this game? And let's just all go on the record right away with, you know, what, what's our keys and do we, what, what, what do we predict to be the final score? So, Daniel, I just want to start with you because you've, uh, you're kind of, you're right on everything when it comes to the Frogs. What, what, what do you think is the big takeaway and what's the, big, what's the final score going to be? I think you're going to have to see a little better offensive line play. Um, I wasn't totally blown away uh, with what I saw against Jackson State, although they had some big guys on their defensive line. Um, but, you know, I, that's just how I feel because that's that's kind of how Arkansas rolls. And uh, you're going to have to, you know, 
dominate uh, that kind of that part of the game, or we can throw it around. I'm not sure, but I feel like that needs to improve because everything I saw uh, Saturday, I was pretty happy with, um, except the O line play. Just I, I was, I guess, I was expecting too much. Um, I think even Matt Pryor got pushed around a lot. So, um, and as far as a score, um, probably something like TCU. 45 and then maybe uh, Arkansas gets uh, 35 something like that 45 35 Trey what are your thoughts on the keys to the game and being able to predict a final score so my key to the game is kind of what you said not to say but mine is basically turnovers not just Kenny Hill I'm saying in general and I say this because if you look at the matchup last year you you can look at the stats. TCU had more first downs. They were better on third down. They had more total yards. They actually rushed for more yards than Arkansas did. Um, but they also had two turnovers last year, and Arkansas didn't. And I think that's kind of <clears> – <throat> there's a lot of things in that game, you know, you can point at that could have changed one way or the other, and TCU wins. But – I think, you know, in that game you had two turnovers and nine penalties, and I think those two things, um, if you just cut out those turnovers, um, TCU wins that game, and I think I think they beat Arkansas this year, get some revenge. I'm going 35-31 uh, TCU wins. 35-31, that's going to involve a field goal on our part, so maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. It doesn't necessarily. No, I'm terrible at math. I don't have the chart like, <laughs> like bulimia does. So, 35-31, I would take that win. I would take that win. Jeremiah, give us your prediction and what you think the Frogs need to do to win this game. You know, I I think everybody remembers the, the offensive line from Arkansas last year, reading some some stuff on their game uh, with Florida A&M. Um, they're a little down on their offensive line right now. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're running backs. I don't think are as explosive as they've been. Um, I, you know, I think right now the, the last time I saw the line, I think TCU it, it was a two point favorite. I think it opened up with Arkansas a favorite, but I think TCU's a, a, a two point favorite now. Um, but I actually don't think it's going to be a close game. I, I think actually TCU's going to make a lot of noise in this game. Uh, they've been waiting for this one. I feel like they, they think they should have won the one last year, and, and I agree with them. But I think uh, they're actually going to stick it to uh, Arkansas pretty good. I actually was predicting 35-17. to 17. Um, I, I think the defense is really going to show up, and uh, I think uh, maybe the, the little bit weaker Arkansas offensive line is going to struggle. Uh, I'm very, very confident right now in TCU's secondary. I, I think they're, they've taken a, a step forward. The linebackers look really, really good. Um, I – I understand it was Jackson State, but I fell in love. And, you know, Jackson State wasn't doing anything really exotic offensively. I fell in love with what I'm seeing from the defense on how fast they're reacting and how fast they're all closing. You've got a lot of experience back there. Everybody looks to me, to a man, like they're in the best shape I've ever seen each player in. And they were in midseason form on Saturday night. They just look really fast, really athletic, really dialed in. And uh, I think that they're, they're just going to take it up a notch this weekend. The line opened at one and a half. Arkansas was favored, and I've seen it pushed to three and a half already. Not that okay. I follow gambling at all, but it was one and a half, and it got it's already been pushed to TCU three and a half point favorite. So you get three points for being uh, the home team. You get you get a three points for that. So that means that we are uh, the money is flowing in on TCU. That one and a half. Whoever got the money in on that, the frogs are going to be in a position to win or be able to make get some get make somebody some payday there. Jeremy, what's your what's your take on the keys of the game and and what it's going to take for the frogs to put up a victory? What's your prediction? Well, they've got to get to the passer. Arkansas does a great job of play action pass, and that's one of the things last year that Austin Allen just ate them up. They made Austin Allen look like a surefire first round draft pick at quarterback last year. I think he completed like 17 of 25 passes, something real close to that, through three interceptions, uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions. The offensive line just gave him all kinds of time. And uh, they, they obviously don't have Raleigh Williams back there at running back anymore. He torched the Frogs last year running the football 130 yards, I think it was. But they've got a, a pretty good uh, stable of running backs. they got three guys that ran last week against Florida A&M. Uh, one of them rushed for 120 and the other one rushed for 80. 
And uh, so they're going to have to stop the running game. They're going to have to get pressure on Austin Allen. And uh, the defensive line, I think you're going to see LJ Collier probably play more defensive end this week instead of tackle. And you might see Ty Summers playing more linebacker just to give them a little bit more size. It's it's good to see them play this type of offense because it, it really puts their strength, which is speed, against uh, a pretty pro-typical offense where they don't spread out guys into four and five wide. I think TC matches up pretty good just because they're so much faster on defense this year. And Coach Patterson has even said this might be his fastest defense he's ever coached. But um, really getting uh, pressure on the quarterback, and, and Coach P said it today, they practice against big linemen every day in practice. If you look at their roster, they go against Matt Pryor, Lucas Nang. Uh, both of those guys are 6'7", 6'8", 330 to 350 pounds, not to mention Toby Letman, who's another 6'8", 350-pound guy. So they're going against some pretty big offensive linemen in practice every day. So I think the, the defensive line will have a, a good idea how to attack those bigger offensive linemen offensively not to sound cliche they they gotta they gotta run the football i think kyle hicks getting to sit last week is really going to help him and you just got to keep the offense on the field long enough to take the ball away from arkansas and make them do something they're not used to doing which is throwing the football a lot taking them out of their their game plan which is running the football so if tcu can kind of get something going on the ground sustain drives keep the ball out of arkansas's hands TCU's going to win this game. And I'm kind of along the same line of Jeremiah. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a real close game. I was kind of predicting the same kind of score around a 31 to 14, 31, 17 type game with the Frogs winning. Yeah, I think the key is Kyle Hicks in the offensive line. You know, Darius Anderson's a great backup. I think he's going to be the starter in the bell count next year. But we need Kyle to come in there and put 125 yards on those guys. And we need the offensive line to be able to move the ball because we're going to get in a game situation late in the game where where we need to not do what A&M did, which is speed up, which is part of our tempo, which is part of our philosophy, which is good. But we're going to have to slow down the game and be able to, to drive, you know, bleed four four minutes off the clock in the middle of the fourth quarter. And I think that comes down to Kyle, his ability to hold onto the ball, which he does, and get those extra yards, and it all begins up front. So if we can run the ball against Arkansas, which I think we're going to be able to, I think we're going to put 40 points on them, and I think we're going to be able to hold them under under, uh, 20 points. So I wouldn't be – or under 25. So I'm going 42-21, and I think the Frogs are going to make a huge statement in Fayetteville. That's write it down. That's that's kind of what I'm banking on. So um, I'm going to hold everybody to these because I've never made a dumb prediction ever in the history of this show. I was actually listening to our very first show ever the other day, Trey, where I predicted that uh, Georgia Southern would beat West Virginia, and you politely reminded me of that when I was trying to sign off. So <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I'm sure remember. you do. I'm sure you do. Well, we're gonna we all picked the frogs to win, so this is good. I think we're going to be able to beat Arkansas. All right, let's switch gears real quick here. we we'll do a couple quick recruiting updates. One of them I don't even like talking about, Justin Rogers' uh, season-ending injury, second game of the season, are, are the bell cow of this class, top 25 nationally player, uh, was on the edge of becoming a five-star recruit at quarterback. Jeremy, what do we know about uh, Justin's condition? And maybe more importantly, what do you know about how, how he's handling this, obviously, this, this terrible situation that's been visited upon him? Well, it's an ACL, PCL, so it, it sounds pretty much like he's – done for the season i mean that's a tough injury to come back from and um if you look at his twitter he seems to be in high spirits but man i just feel i feel sick to my stomach with that kid it was just a bad weekend for recruits i mean you have him going down you have leonard parks uh, a teammate of Tavalence hunt out at texarkana texas high who passed away saturday night and i met him at one of tcu's camps but and I feel bad for Justin, and and it's it's funny because I mean a lot. It's not funny, but it's 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 been really talked about because everyone knows uh, how good of a player he is and and what kind of person he is off the field. And you just you know want to say your prayers for him and and for the family because you know he wants to be out there and uh, and have a chance to compete and, and lead his team to a state championship and. Man, I just – I hate it. I, I really do. I hate it for him because it's going to slow down the process not only for high school. It's going to slow it down when he gets to gets to TCU because he's the early graduate. Um, he's graduating in December, going to enroll at TCU in January, and he's likely not going to go through spring ball. I mean, this is an injury that sometimes can take up to a year to recover from. So you don't know what kind of impact impact it's going to have uh, with him and TCU. But right now the, the main focus is just making sure – he uh, gets everything rehabbed good, and uh, he's going to be good to go once once everything 
gets back to 100% for him. But, yeah, continued pressure for him because he's just such a good kid. Yeah, I had a guy that covers recruiting in Louisiana send me a direct message of that. I was on my way back from officiating a high school football game and got the notification and opened it up, and it was just my heart sunk for that poor guy. So, Justin Rogers, you and your family, nothing but the best. TCU is behind you. Take all the time that you need to recover. Look forward to you getting here in January, and you can uh, rehab on our dime. We'll be glad to, to have you here to continue in that healing process. One of the other things, I saw I saw it on the, on the 24-7 board the other day that we had a new commit, and I clicked on it. And I immediately didn't recognize the name, and it took me a minute to remember we actually have a basketball team, and I'm learning how to be a TCU basketball fan. I'll admit it. I follow baseball, obviously follow uh, football, but you know, frogs uh, you know, won the NIT. We're on you know in a lot of preseason top twenty-five. Jeremiah, we got a new commit in the basketball program, and you had a chance to catch up with him. What do you share with our listeners about the direction of the program and what this young man's going to bring? You know, I just I think what's going on with that basketball program right now is just just incredible. We knew. You know, coming off that NIT, that they were going to be able to recruit even better. Um, I mean, but local kids are really buying in. There's so much talent here locally, just like there is in football and baseball. I mean, TC really is in just a hotbed for recruiting talent. So, uh, Farron Hunt, small forward out of DeSoto, a local kid, um, really, really athletic small forward. Um, if you haven't watched any film on him, pop, pop it on and enjoy. He's, he is fun to watch. He's a high flyer, man. He, he had uh, – on his profile, we have him with seven offers. When I talked to him today, he said he's got quite a bit more than that, but he doesn't know who all they're from. Uh, he's supposed to get back with me on that. But he was recruited by quite a few um, Big 12 programs, uh, Texas Tech. Uh, I believe – I, I want to say he said Baylor was – they hadn't offered, but they were, they were looking at him pretty closely. Um, he does have Arkansas offer, um, Houston, I believe, uh, Tulsa. He's got – He's got a handful of pretty nice uh, offers, but he's, he's an explosive kid. He was at the game, uh, the football game Saturday night, and I asked him, I said, what was it like when uh, when Sean Robinson got in there? He goes, man, Sean Robinson is the man, and, and he was super stoked when he got in there and, and scored a touchdown. He said he felt like he was already uh, a part of the school then, so uh, that was pretty good. You know, that environment was good for him to see, and, and obviously uh, what that basketball program is doing, it's going to continue to attract kids uh, at, at this level. Um, he's the uh, number 13 player in the state of Texas uh, on the composite. So uh, just underneath a four-star. Um, Good-looking athlete, man. They, and they're starting to really build some depth. Um, and, and this 18 class is, is really impressive. Yeah, we're all going to have to get well-versed in basketball, especially if we uh, you know, are competitive in the Big 12, make a run in the Big 12 tournament, hopefully make the NCAA. We're going to have a whole lot of uh, lifetime basketball fans that come out of the woodwork that will say we've been there through it all. And uh, hopefully the uh, Jamie Dixon will, will continue to move things in the right direction in Fort Worth. Yeah, I, I have a feeling they're going to make some serious noise in the 2017-18 season because that jump he's going to have the program make from year one to year two, as well as, well as with that trip they were able to take down under i think it's going to have a big impact and we're going to shock a lot of people and it's going to round out our big three which i think will make us as good as almost anybody in the country so that's going to be that's going to be fun to watch stack up i think hey, Jeff, definitely a real tournament quick uh, just a- or 2018 yeah yeah i agree with you go ahead jeremy uh i was going to say that vernon jackson was on campus for the game on on saturday as well um uh, Highly coveted uh, athlete out of bowling. Um, he's down. He's down to his final few schools. Everyone's thinking he's going to either A and M, Alabama, or TCU. Uh, TCU had him up there for a visit. Apparently, he had a good time. And uh, frogs are definitely in it from every indication I'm getting right now. Well, that's good. Well, I know that you know recruits are usually smart enough to not follow the highs and lows of every week. But this is a this was a great week for them to visit TCU and to you know, stand it up against what A&M's going through right now. So we, we can say our head coach will be here next year with a high level of confidence, unlike the Aggies. So, well, let's close out here with a, with a section I like to call buy or sell. So I'll give you a statement. You tell me whether you buy it and if you think it's true or you sell it and you don't think it's true and tell me why and convince me. Trey Fallon, I'm going to start with you. Trey, someone will be the head coach of the Aggies on November 1st, buy or sell. I'll, I'm going to buy that. I think he will um, last the whole season. I saw 
uh, floating around Twitter that if the Aggies fire him, um, they owe him $11 million within 60 days of him being fired. So I do think that contract, he should be uh, kissing and hugging his agent right now for getting that into his contract because I think that's the one thing that'll save him through the entire season. Um, but I do think he'll be fired uh, at the end of the year. I want his agent to be my agent. Yeah, because right? That, Seriously. <laughs> well, who who was the AD when, when, when that happened? Was that Hyman? I don't know. It was in this. La- it was in that. I think the. Uh, when that was that bow tie guy, right? They gave him the extension after what the first two decent kind of Johnny football years, right? And then they extended I, him some more. Yeah, yeah. Johnny football has has made so much money for Kevin Sumlin and cost a And M so much money. They built that was a quarter or a half a billion dollar stadium renovation, and uh, Manziel paid for that. And it looks like a someone gets like 10% of it. So, all right, we'll be interested to see what happens with, with someone moving forward. Daniel, buy or sell Baylor wins five games this year. Sell. Not going to happen. Don't see it happening. I don't, I don't see them. I don't, I don't think they will be Duke. I don't think they will be uh, UT San Antonio. Uh, Kansas could probably beat them. Iowa state. I know will beat them. Um, maybe they beat Texas. Who knows? Because Texas looked like garbage. So um, my, you know, completely rational, unbiased feeling is that there's no way they win five games. I'm biased. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm biased too. I'm biased too. I love it. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree with you. I don't think Baylor uh, wins five games. I don't see any way they win five games. So... Jeremiah Glenn, Oklahoma beats Ohio State in the horseshoe this Saturday night. We got the Frogs and Hogs at 2.30 with the Sooners and the Buckeyes in the game after. Do you think the the Sooners are going to beat the Buckeyes? Buy or sell, Oklahoma wins. I don't think I know the Sooners are going to go into Columbus and beat the Buckeyes. Um, Whoa! I'm calling it right now. Uh, I'm telling you, I am not – it's not just the Indiana game. Uh, Just watching – Ohio State, um, they have a ton of athletes. I get that. I'm very unimpressed with their passing game, very unimpressed with their receiving core. Um, and, yes, Oklahoma did just lose a corner for the year, uh, but I don't see any way that Ohio State shuts down Baker Mayfield and that Oklahoma offense. Um, I think they're going to go in there and shock a lot of people. I really do. That would be great. Bold. Bold. Yeah, that would be great. I would love to see Oklahoma. I will – you don't have to cheer Big 12 like they do in the SEC to be pulling for Oklahoma, and I'm pulling for Oklahoma this week. That would be a big statement for our conference. And the best thing that would happen would be that Oklahoma beats Ohio State and then Oklahoma doesn't win the Big 12. That would be exactly what we need. So buy-in that Oklahoma beats Ohio State. Yep, I, I feel pretty good right, about it. I, you know, I agree with you. I actually agree with you. So My only we'll concern would be, uh, I think, Lincoln Riley um, – he might feel a little outmatched up there compared to, you know, Urban Meyer and 100,000, you know, T-shirt fans. So, Yeah, nothing like the second game of your career going to um, Ohio State where they make – where every, a bunch of people are predicting that you win, especially on a TCU podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see what Lincoln Riley does right away. Jeremy, I got a question for you. Buy or sell? Aggies make a big offer and a big push – to hire Gary Patterson, assuming that someone gets fired, which you will. Do you believe that the Aggies will come after Patterson with everything they've got in message board nomenclature? They will back up the Binks, Brinks truck. I would buy that just because they're going to want to hire someone with some skins on the wall and, and uh, what better name than Gary Patterson in the state of Texas, because he's def- uh, defensive minded. Um, obviously the offensive minded coach is not getting it done down there at, a&M and uh you know that would be a great uh guy to go after I mean who you'd be a fool not to pick up your phone and at least call him and to see what it would take now would Gary listen to him he might listen to him but I don't think I don't foresee Gary leaving TCU I mean he's 57 years old right now he's said numerous times he's not going to be one of those coaches that are going to be coaching into his 60s and 70s I think he's going to hang him up 
relatively early in, in coach's terms. I mean, he, he, he uh, has done just a tre- tremendous job at TCU. He built that program and I don't see him going off and, and trying to have a last hurrah somewhere else. I think he wants to get everything accomplished at TCU and, and uh, he would much rather bring a national championship to, T- to TCU than he would a place like Texas A&M. And, I get tired of hearing all these, oh, well, you throw enough money at him, he's going to take a job. Or He's been offered uh, SEC jobs before. He's been offered by uh, Arkansas, and I've got it on good authority. Auburn went after him as well, and he turned down both of those jobs. So it's one of those deals where just because someone wants to throw a lot of money and throw the Brinks truck at, truck at him and think he's just going to take it – Money, money isn't the end all. There's going to be some. There's, there's some coaches that have a little bit more integrity out there than just what they uh, put into their bank account. And uh, Gary Patterson's one of those guys. He's had a chance to leave TCU's program a lot before, but uh, he's always stayed. But to answer your question, I would, I would definitely uh, believe that A and M would call Gary Patterson just to kind of gauge his interest. But I think he would tell them, "Yeah, I'm going to stick at TCU." You know, if you go back to 1982, Jackie Sherrill was hired at A&M, and every coach since they hired Jackie Sherrill has been fired by the Aggies. Jackie Sherrill, R.C., Fran, uh, Mike Sherman, and now someone who's, who's just kind of on hospice care. That That's just five straight coaches that they will have fired. So you, if you go to A&M, you, you either cheat and win – and then get busted like Jackie Sherrill, like RC did, or you just go down there and you get fired by a group of probably the most irrational fan base, probably the most irrational fan base that exists in human history. You got to go to funerals for dead dogs. You've got to, you know, find somebody to take to the game to kiss you for the first time and make sure they brush their teeth. You know, I just don't see anything that would be an appeal that would be appealing to him to go to A and M because they just have a terrible track record of what they do to coaches in terms of the way that people respond to them. So I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. Of course, course they're going to come after him they should come after him they'd be fired if they didn't but there's no way in the world he's going to end up at, at a&m he's got it too good here that's that's my hot take tonight so yeah it's a hot take i think our coach is going to stay here so <laughs> he's got a statue for crying out loud he's not going to leave he does he does he go, go enjoy that statue before somebody tears it down ha 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 um do we have anything else for the good of the cause that anybody wants to share before we uh, wrap up this episode of the Frogcast? Yeah, one thing, I'm just finishing up. Like I said, I had the Baylor game on here, and, you know, they gave up uh, 48 points to Liberty. I would like to thank Matt Rule for finally bringing defense back to the Big 12 like he promised. That's just, I'm I'm really pleased that he's following through on that. Love it. I would like to thank him. Yes. And, you know, thinking back to a year ago, Trey, have you been to the Walmart and White Settlement? Has everybody returned their uh, Texas T-shirts? Because I'm really I'm really curious if there's a bum rush on the return shelf there. Yes, I got a report um, the other night that there has been a lot of returns um, in the past few weeks, especially coming uh late Saturday night, um, early Sunday morning. Good. Well, you know, they held on to their receipt, you know, they did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nothing else really TC or big 12 related, but, uh, another crazy upset UNLV going down to Howard, Cam Newton's brother's oh. QB for Howard. Uh, but damn, that's a tough loss right there. <laughs> that's not, that's not good at all. Is that was the largest Vegas uh, spread where the where the underdog won in Vegas history? They were yeah, four. They, UNLV was forty five <laughs> point favorites. Yeah, that's oof, that's tough. Um, that is tough. And how bad does Cam Newton's brother have to? Well, he's got to be pretty good. But you figure some FBS program would want him just so they can say, "Hey, why don't you bring your brother in for a day when we get all these guys here on an official visit?" I figured he would get somebody that would want him, but. He beat UNLV. Who's going to have the biggest upset this week in the Big 12, going going around the Big 12? I, I'm kind of along the lines with Daniel thinking UTSA, UTSA is going to beat Baylor, but I think Iowa State is going to beat Iowa. They're, they're you know, I Iowa. do too. I think Iowa State is going to beat Iowa. I'll I do. That, that, that's yeah. The, yeah, I'll buy that. I'm from Iowa, and man, Iowa fans are – 
I've never seen a group of people more proud of less than I mean, well, the state of Iowa, but of, of Hawkeye fans. They are so proud of that program. So yeah, I'm going, I'm pulling for the Cyclones with everything I've got in that. Hey, so. Matt Campbell got it done against Northern Iowa. That's, that's always been kind of their Achilles heels beating Northern Iowa for crying out loud. And Iowa state, they, they handled them pretty well. Yeah. That would be good for the conference if we could get a couple of wins over the Big Ten this week. Uh, Sooners and Cyclones, that would be great. I would be all for that. Um, I don't know. Who does SMU play this week? Does anybody know? I mean, I'm sure you don't know SMU schedule off the top of your head, but I was wondering who SMU was playing because I'm kind of keeping an eye. I think that's going to be a tough game the week after the the Hogs. They got North Texas. North Texas. SMU plays North Texas. Yep. North. Another improving team in the Metroplex. They scored 58 the other day. Something crazy. They were they were they oh, were yeah. beating Lamar thirty eight to sixteen at halftime. Nice. You know, I, hope I do Lamar want to can just beat pi- Baylor in the future. Yeah, I just want to pile on here. I'm going to go ahead and I just join Daniel here it, about the greatness of that Liberty win. I can't believe I didn't say this earlier. Remember when when Baylor was so proud and Bryles was so defensive that they wouldn't schedule a Power Five team. And, you know, the first move of basically the post-Briles era is they play an FCS team and get beat. I mean, I mean, if you don't believe in karma, mojo, or whatever you want to call it, that is justice right there. <laughs> so I take, I hold my head high on that. So, Well, fellas, we have uh, come to the end of what will be many amazing podcasts breaking down what happened after a good, good a TCU win this year. So hopefully we'll be gathering here next week to talk about the hog, you know, the frogs and the hogs with a big win over Arkansas. Hopefully we'll also be talking about some big wins with the, uh, with the, the Sooners and the Cyclones. And yeah, let's just say it. We'll be pulling for UTSA as well. So until next time, for Daniel and Trey, for Jeremiah and Jeremy, I'm Jeff. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast.